Today's sermon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test them, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I don't even know how to preach today after seeing the kids dance like that, so I don't want to be outdone, so I got some props. It's going to help me out a little bit. What do you guys think about that? Would that be distracting? I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing it. Somebody was walking up. Nancy Oliver, one of our former ministers, was walking up, and she noticed I was yawning over there earlier. I don't know if you're like me, but Miss Koenig, your harp skills are phenomenal, but it was like a lullaby that our kids hear before they take naps, and all of a sudden I think I was triggered. Was anybody else triggered? In case you're going to fall asleep, I got these little lasso things, whatever they are, keep you awake. Ribbons. Well, it's a delight to be with you in worship. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Creator God, we are thankful for the life that you have given us. And we confess that we've not always been faithful with that gift. We have been unwise, wayward, foolish. And even though we find ways to walk away from you, we know and believe that you sent your Son to reconcile us unto yourself, to cultivate in our hearts a desire for your will be done and not simply our will be done. We're thankful for the gift of redemption. We also confess as a community that you have sent your Holy Spirit as a counselor, guide, and friend to us. Send your Spirit now to all who can hear my voice. For you and I know that without you I can do nothing. Send your Spirit that this well-known story, this miracle story, may live in our hearts freshly, producing spiritual fruit that we can take with us where we go 
making more fruit from your spirit. It is in the matchless name of your son that we pray and God's people say together, amen. I was out golfing the other day. I know I'm a walking, uh, I'm a walking uh, stereotype, a preacher who plays golf. It's, it's my new hobby I've taken up over COVID, that and smoking meats. But I was out playing golf the other day, and they paired me up with three fellows I didn't know. And I always tried to hold off on telling people what I do for a living. People don't want to spend time with preachers. Sometimes when you tell them you're a preacher, they overcompensate and start talking about God and the last time they were in church and all this, that, and the other. And I just want to tell them I don't care. Just let me hit my golf ball. A lot of times they go, oh, well, I'm sorry. I said that swear word before. And then they get really self-conscious. And I tell them, I don't care. It's fine. Let me hit my golf ball. But really, in sincerity, these fellas said, what's it like to be a pastor? I think it's an odd thing for people to think about. They asked me if I was married. They asked me if I had kids. And then they said, what is it like having kids and being a preacher? I think maybe they think that we produce angels. Well, not so. My children are angels in one sense, but they're also very human, just like me. And the other day, they did something all too human that I bet if you're a parent, your kids have done, or you've done yourself, or you've seen someone do. I came in from the outside into the kitchen, and one of my kids was standing in front of the refrigerator, huffing and puffing. It was all the nonverbal but very loud noises they make when they want me to take notice that they're upset. And I say, what's the matter? They responded, there's nothing in this house to eat. And they're staring at a full refrigerator full of food. And I said, well, look in the pantry. And they open the pantry door, and they're standing in front of a pantry full of food to eat. And then they go to the bread drawer. Sometimes there's bagels in there, and they like bagels. And they pull it out, and they were, hopes were dashed again, no bagels. And they shut it kind of hard and said, there's no food here. And I said, how about all the food you just looked at? What's well, not what I want? Hmm. How you see the world and how you interpret the world makes a difference for how you live in the world. My kid was looking with a certain eye towards an expectation that wasn't met, and they found themselves frustrated, even though our house had plenty to eat. At this point in the story, I think the people who have been walking around with Jesus had a certain expectation about him that might have been changed a time or two. They were watching him, seeing him do incredible things. In St. John's Gospel, they called signs and wonders. We often just call them miracles. Whatever you want to call them, he's amassed a huge following, and it's before the Passover. And he walks up this kind of elevated spot, and all the people keep coming. They're wanting to see him, to look at him, to see what he'll do next. And there's a couple of disciples around Jesus. One's name is Philip. The other one is Andrew. And these disciples are logistics people. They're details people. They're not the people who have the, the great visions. Now, when a great vision is said or shared, they want to know how you're going to get it done. So they're, they're very useful and annoying types, to be frank. Philip says they're hungry. We can't feed them. Jesus says, well, let's talk about that. And Philip says, well, it would take too much money. We don't have that much money. And Andrew chimes in, not sure why he thought to chime in. He goes, well, there's a fellow over here. He's got two fish and five loaves of bread. 
But that's not enough, as if anyone thought it was enough. You see, Philip and Andrew see the world the way a lot of us see it. They see the world the way that our entire economic system is set up, through the lens of scarcity. If we don't have enough resources, that means that prices for things go up, competition goes up, and at worst, sometimes we harm each other for those resources, or sometimes we hoard those resources. They look around and see a world that's not enough. And it's the world that you and I inhabit every day. It's the world we're tempted to believe in. I know because a couple months ago, I, like you, watched as I couldn't get gasoline for just a day or two. Talk about a first world problem, huh? Sit at home for a day or two. And I, like you, watched online and judged that woman. I said preachers are also people too, right? I judged that woman who got out that grocery sack, that plastic grocery sack, and tried to fill up that sack with gasoline. Did you see that video? Grocery sacks don't hold gasoline very well, friends. We tend to lean into this notion of scarcity and therefore fear that we have to compete for resources. But that's not how Jesus sees the world. Jesus always looks at the created world as a world of abundance, always enough to go around, and maybe even more than enough. My sister's a chef. Many of you have heard me talk about her before. One night, I was given by my brother-in-law these vegetables called ramps. I don't know if you've ever heard of ramps. It's kind of like a, a garlicky thing that grows in woods. And we were having a potluck dinner for about 50 to 80 young adult folks that came into our house every Sunday night. Wonderful events, but I got to say, when you have that demographic bringing the potluck together, it's not always the best food. Sometimes a kid would come in with a bag of chips for like 50 people, like one bag of Lay's potato chips. A young couple might bring a half-eaten birthday cake. But I will say every week we always pulled it together to have a large enough meal to share with a large group of people. On this particular night, I had no two things that went together. Right? It's one of those days when you looked in the fridge and I had jelly but no peanut butter. I, I had cereal but no milk. I had ketchup but no mustard. You ever have moments like that when you realize you don't have much that goes together? And my sister walks in the door and I'm complaining I have these ramps, they're about to go bad. I really wanted to try this hip trendy food item from the Pacific Northwest, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, leave the kitchen please. She starts opening cabinets and pantry doors and refrigerator doors, and she pulls out things that don't look like they belong together. There's some can of olives, and then there's some pepperoncinis, and then there's these ramps, and there's some vegetables and some pasta gets going. And next thing you know, we had an incredible Mediterranean feast. My eye looked at the refrigerator with scarcity eyes. My sister looked and saw the abundance and made something quite beautiful. Now the people of God have this strange experience. We're out of nothingness, or out of a very small amount. Thousands are fed sitting on this green grass on a hillside. And Jesus instructs the disciples to collect up the leftovers and put them into 12 baskets. Why 12? Well, Jesus had 12 disciples. You ever wonder, why did he choose 12 disciples? 
Well, there were 12 tribes that made up Israel. If you have the eyes to see, Jesus is actually demonstrating something about how he understood his own vocation by the things he did. Jesus is seeing himself as this blessing for the whole world that Israel was called to be. And there's another thing that I bet the people of God were thinking about on that hillside other than this is a really nice piece of fish. These leftover baskets of, of 12 remind them of their time in the desert when the people of God had nothing to eat. And every day, God gave them this strange thing called manna to eat. I mean, the translation of that word manna literally means like, what is this stuff? They were filled. They were satiated because in the divine economy, abundance is true. But they could not store it away. They could not hoard it because each day God was going to bless them with it again. I bet dollars to donuts that some of the people following Jesus on the hillside that day started to see him in a particular light. I think they might even have imagined him as the next kind of Moses figure for the people of God. That means they haven't quite seen the full picture that Jesus represents God with us, that the abundance of the divine life was present with them on a hillside. Hopefully they come to see that later, how we see things, the way we look at the world makes the difference for our lives. How do you see miracles in the New Testament? I told you in a few a sermon a few weeks ago that one helpful tool when you read a miracle in the New Testament is to add this phrase to it or a phrase like it. This is what life is like when God is in charge. This is what life is like when the kingdom of God is unmitigated in this world. This is what God's vision for the world is. So blind people see and the deaf hear and the dead live again. Right? Here on a hillside, just before Passover, people who are hungry and seeking for the divine in their lives are fed. Here, the abundance of God is made plain and people's needs are met. Here is the best fellowship meal you could think of, and it's not even burdened by the business of a board meeting. It's just delight with Jesus. You know, I was reading something this week and listening, too, to uh, stories by Anne Lamott, who's a, she's a wonderful writer. She writes Christian, um, she writes novels and she writes Christian nonfiction. Anne Lamott, I recommend her work to you. It's really good stuff for the soul in transition and who's out here who's not living in the life of transition. Now, I've recommended it to you, but I will tell you, if you don't like salty language, don't read it. If you don't like to be shocked, don't read it. She's rough around the edges. She's honest. Some people don't like this level of honesty. And she was talking about how the founder, one of the founders of the Alcoholics Anonymous movement, of which she's a part herself, had a phrase. Now, I say all this because I like to cite my sources. because I, I don't know who it really was that said it, but when you Google the phrase, it, her name comes up. And, and, and here's something that she said. It sticks with me. Sometimes heaven is just a new pair of glasses. 
sometimes heaven is just the new pair of glasses to help you see that God's already here with us. That God's world is an abundant world. There's enough to share. Sometimes this new lens tells us that the myth of scarcity is killing society and it's breaking human hearts. Sometimes heaven is just a new pair of glasses. And we put those glasses on and remind ourselves of great stories like this from the Gospels. We see that there's a world that God wants and is made and is remaking. And it's a world where everyone has something to share.